We have been in a series, Lifestyle of Discipleship. In this, we have covered a lot of different, what we're calling lifestyles. So lifestyle prayer, lifestyle of worship, and lifestyle of discipleship. Now, in this, and we've said it over and over, and that's because we want to make sure that we're all getting it, is the idea is that we're not just talking about discipleship and getting knowledge in our head where we could, say, pass a test and check yes or no, yes, that's a disciple, no, that's not a disciple, yes, that is prayer, no, that's not prayer, yes, that is worship, no, that's not worship. It's not about that. It's about, am I living it? That's where the lifestyle comes in. Is it something that we're doing? Is it the way we wake up in what we think? Is it the way we walk? Is it the way we talk? Uh, Would someone that wasn't part of the church here would they accuse you of living that way? Would they say, there is something about prayer that is on you? There is something about worship that is on you. you you're you're following something. What are you following? Because clearly there's a difference between you and what else I see. So you, what are you following? You, you must be a disciple of something that's unique. So is it our lifestyle? And so we want to continue to try to look at this. Now, this is actually the last one. I guess I shouldn't have said continue because this is the explanation point, the period at the end of this series. Um, but, but that it continues to be our lifestyle in the way that we, that we walk that out. And um, today, though, we're going to be talking about lifestyle of discipleship, walking with Holy Spirit. And want to kind of look at what does that look like to walk with Holy Spirit? Now, walking with Holy Spirit, there's power that comes in that. Jesus said that there will be power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. There's patience in waiting for Holy Spirit to give us guidance, to tell us what to do. Uh, If you're like me, which I'm just going to assume you all are, how many of you lack patience? Patience can sometimes be rough. You know, we have our way, our timetable, our schedule, the way we want to see it take place. And God just has these unique things in the way that he does it. But there's patience in listening to Holy Spirit. There's discretion in listening. There's obedience that we don't just hear it, but we actually go do it. And we follow what is said. There's the fruit of the Spirit. And then there's faith for miracles, believing in the power of Holy Spirit. And that is something as a church, you hear that many times where maybe in the the praise service, someone will get up and they'll say, you know, we still believe that God speaks today. When When we read this book, we don't look at what took place in the early church or what took place as Jesus was walking and say, man, how cool would it be to have lived at that time? I guess we do say that, but we don't stop there because we don't think that it stopped there. How cool is it to live at this time when God is still speaking, when Holy Spirit is still prophesying, when people are still getting healed, when people are still getting broken of bondages, where people, where you and I are getting called out of whatever we're doing and Jesus is saying, follow me. I want you to be my disciple, and he's calling us. How neat that is. So today, one of the things we're going to look at 
is the what, the when, and the how. What is Holy Spirit saying to us? So for us to truly follow Holy Spirit and to walk with Holy Spirit, we got to slow down enough to figure out, Holy Spirit, what? What are you doing? What are you saying? When do you want me to do that? And how should I do that? Uh, I'm sure many of you have had a time where you felt like holy, you, you got something. You, maybe you were in a meeting. Maybe you were, um, you were talking to someone and you felt like you got maybe a, a vision or you, you felt like you had a question you wanted to ask or you, you, you felt like you got inspired about something. And that's great. But many times we stop there and we say to Holy Spirit, got it, I'm good. Thanks for, for telling me. And then we run off with it instead of slowing down and saying, okay, when would you like me to do that? And how would you like me to do that? Because Holy Spirit isn't just into the what. Holy Spirit's into how we go about it and when we go about it. Because remember, it's not about my schedule. It's not about your schedule. It's God's timeline. It's God's way. And therefore, there is a way in which we should do it. There's a, there's a, a countenance we should have. There's an attitude we should have. There's a tone we should have. But that only comes when we wait on Holy Spirit. So if we look here, we're gonna, um, you can turn to Luke chapter 24 in the large book of the Bible, going to the smaller book of Luke, which is one of the Gospels. Looking at chapter 24, verse 45 through 49. I'm going to read it out in the NIV, and if you happen to have not brought a Bible or you uh, have a different translation, you want to read along um, with me here. We got it up on the slide. Will you guys do this? The word of God is powerful. The other thing that's also powerful is your own voice. And not because it fills a room and it makes it sound full and powerful when we all lift up our voice, but there is something powerful when that nugget of a brain that you got in your skull, when it hears you talk, it believes what you say. A lot more than it believes what I say. And I love my voice, and I know you do too. But there is power in your own voice. So um, will you guys read this with me? And we're going to read the word of God together out loud. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Now, hold on real quick. So when he's saying these, he opened their minds, it does not mean that they were completely blind and that their minds were just mush and they couldn't compute anything. What it means, have you ever read a verse and you read it again? And a couple months later, you read it again. A couple years later, maybe you read it again. And then you're reading it again one morning and all of a sudden, something is opened up to you and it is totally different. Now, the meaning hasn't changed. God didn't just reprogram the Bible. But what he allowed you to do is to see something different that he wanted to highlight for you. You've ever experienced that? And so that is what is taking place here with the disciples. 
Jesus has been telling them, I mean, how many times did he tell them what was going to take place? But there was always an interpretation because you and I, along with them, we're human, and so we interpret things through our own noggin and our own paradigms. He was opening it up for them to see it a little bit different. All right, picking up here in verse 47, and we're going to start with and repentance. You guys ready for this? It's a great, who loves to start with repentance? It's great here. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in the name in, in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. Now, let's pause there again. Where are they going? All nations. Remember, it's not just for them. It's for all nations that this is for. What he's opening up their minds for isn't just so that they can go home and feel enlightened, so that they can go home with goosebumps and be inspired. It's so that they take action, it becomes their lifestyle, and they actually walk this out to all nations. So we can be the witnesses of these things. Witnessing means it's taken place, we've seen it, and we can begin to tell others what took place, how God worked in our life, the healing that came to our life, the restoration that came to the relationship. The provision that came when there was no provision. The hope that came when you were in despair. You are a witness of that. Right here, um, we're going to be with I am doing. I am uh, going, sorry, not doing, going. I don't see all letters perfectly. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. I'm sorry, I'm probably not the easiest person to read along with. He told them to stay. And he wanted them to wait for this power to come. Now, he already had said, they, you know, so they're thinking, okay, prophecies have come that there's going to be a king that's coming. He's going to restore the power of the nation of Israel. He's going to over, they're going to overthrow the other governments. And they're finally going to be free to be who they are and live the way they want to live. And that's not what Jesus did. Then he crushes it even a little bit more because he's saying, no, that's not the way my kingdom is going to look. But then he's even, he, he, he's saying, not only that, and I know you've been pumped up for the last couple years that I've been here, but I'm leaving. I'm not going to be around. It totally goes against everything they ever thought was going to take place. But he says, don't worry. My father is going to send the helper. You will be given power from on high. Not your power. It's not going to come in the strength of of armies. It's not going to come in the strength of of a king sitting uh, in a castle here on earth. It's going to be a power that comes inside of you, and you're going to begin to walk as I walked. You're going to begin to talk as I talked. You're going to begin to pray for others and see healings as you saw with me. You're going to begin to see lives get transformed. All right, now we're going to go a little farther here. So Jesus has been living. He's crucified. He's tried. He's crucified. Gets put in the grave. Three days later, he rises again. He's out walking. 
He sees the disciples. He begins talking to them. They just think it's another dude walking down the street. They kind of just chatter with him. They think he's crazy because he doesn't know what's been going on. Like, how would you ask us how we're doing or what's happening? Don't you know what's been taking place? I mean, this is such a pivotal moment. They don't realize who's standing right next to him. He begins to then talk to them again. He's now reminding them again of everything he said was going to take place and how it's taken place. And he's now reminding them again, don't lose hope. Wait here. Power from heaven is going to come upon you. If you're like me, God tells me to wait all the time. And I don't wait. I do a couple minutes. And then I decide he ain't coming. I got to go do this in my own power. He wants us to wait. Wait for him to come and give us his power. All right. Now you're going to turn to Acts chapter 1. Verse 4 through 9. So here it's a little bit later on, several days later. This is right before Jesus is going to ascend. This is the last time they're going to see him physically here on earth in this way. And again, he's talking to them. So let's read together. And I'm not, I won't stop halfway through. I'll just go back. Okay, so we'll just read together and I won't mess it up that way. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. All right, here he goes again, telling them one more time, do not leave, wait. Wait. Anybody here ever train a dog? Maybe you try training your cat to sit, to wait. It's one of the hardest things to teach them. To me, potty training is a lot easier, just like a kid. It's a lot easier to train them to potty train them than to tell them to wait. As humans, as people, we have a hard time waiting. But that's exactly what God is telling us to do, is to wait. It's interesting that after he says to wait and you're going to receive a gift, where does their mind go? It goes back to the kingdom. And it goes back to, are you going to restore the kingdom? Their mind, no matter what is taking place in front of them, what miracle Jesus is doing, what he has just said every single time, they're like, zink, are we going to overthrow? Is it time to overthrow? Then he takes their mind, he says, you know what? That's not for you to know. That's not what it's about. What it's about is you walking in who I have said you are and you walking out what I speak to you. Reminds them you're going to receive power. But why? Not so that they can sit there and flex in the the mirror so that they can glow and just see how wonderful they are. He says, why? Because they're going to be his witnesses. 
Remember, we just said, if we're going to be excited that the power is still in this book, in that Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever, which means that he's still coming to restore your relationships. He's still coming to break through where you need breakthrough. He's still coming to heal where you need healing. He's still prophetically speaking to you and saying, I see you. I love you. You are my son. You are my daughter. If we're going to believe that, then we also have to believe that when he told them to go, he's also telling you and I to go. When he's telling them to wait, he's telling us to wait. And when he says, I'm giving you power, and he says, why? That it wasn't just for them to go to all the world. It was for you and I to go to all the world. We are called to be his witnesses to the whole earth. We have to wait. You know, the word submission, anybody in here not like the word submission? Many times when, at least when I, and kind of semantics, is we think of the word submission, many times what we're thinking of is control. If I'm going to submit, it means that I'm giving control. Where really the word is about coming under the mission. You know, you, you think the analogy of a submarine. It's why it's called a submarine is because the sub, it, it, it's under, okay? In the same way, we're coming under the mission, which isn't about control. It's about obedience. And there is a difference between you and I being obedient to what God has called us to and coming under the mission, which means we wait because we're, we want to be where his kingdom is. We want to be within his mission, so we wait for Holy Spirit to tell us what to do. We wait to receive that power. We wait to receive the instructions so that then we can go within that power on the mission that Jesus has called us to do. <clears throat> you know, Darcy last week preached an amazing message. If you did not, if you weren't able to be here, I encourage you to go back, either watch the, the streaming of it or listen to the podcast of it. But it was a great, challenging message. And uh, two of the, the, the things I that she kind of these quotes that she had is um, passionate, unopinionated obedience to Jesus. Now, you and I can get passionate and we can do what we think is obedience to Jesus, but it's usually opinionated obedience to Jesus, where we're, we're saying, okay, I'm going to go with you, but here's how it's going to look and here's how I want to operate and here's my idea and here's my timetable but it's a passionate, unopinionated obedience to Jesus. We take our thoughts, we put them aside. Lord, what do you want to do? When do you want to do that? And how do you want me to go about that? The other one she said is where our comfort or rights don't matter because it's obedience. It was one of the things that Jesus was telling the disciples over and over. It's not about your comfort. It's not about your rights. It's not about your wants. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about you reflecting me to everyone. I love the story of when Paul, um, the apostle Paul, he, 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 he had been terrible to Christians. God comes and meets him through his sovereignty. He sees Paul and he says, I want you. And I'm going to come and I'm going to shift your passion. I'm going to shift your zeal 
from fighting me to being one of the most greatest people to take that force into spreading the gospel. After Jesus comes upon him and and, and touches him and he's blinded, then Holy Spirit goes to someone else, says, I want you to go and pray for him. Person knows who he is. Paul has a reputation. Doesn't fit his paradigm. It's like, ah, ooh. You know, I really want to be used by you. Really want to pray that the blind can see. Really into this whole thing and being one of your disciples and one of your ministers, but not that guy. Anybody but that person. You know what? Those opinions go out when we follow Christ. Because it's about obedience. It's not about do we like it? Do we think the other person deserves it? Because you and I don't deserve it. And as soon as we start thinking that somehow I've earned it, you've earned it, and they haven't, we've lost the entire message of the gospel. You know, as a shepherding team, we, uh, we don't have a, a program of, or some database of where every single person um, that calls City Harvest their church gets called, texted, contacted, or prayed for. It's not an algorithm. It's not a system, and it's not a formula. Every single time we meet, once a month, we meet to, to pray over the list. We're submitting ourselves to the leading of Holy Spirit. What we challenge each other to do is every single week, open up the realm. Go to the directory. Click it. Pause. The wait. Say, Holy Spirit, show me who you want me to see. And then just start scrolling. Looking at every single name and saying, Holy Spirit, if you want me to pause. Then, when I see someone's name, to say, what? What is it? What do you want me to see? When do you want me to do this? How do you want me to do this? Am I supposed to go meet with them for coffee? Am I supposed to send them an encouraging text? Am I supposed to call them up and pray for them? What am I supposed to do? We want to be Holy Spirit-led. Because it's not about a formula. It's about walking in the power of Holy Spirit in our lives. So the what, the when, and the how. As charismatics, many times we're really good at saying, man, we still believe the, the power of the Holy Spirit's there. And we get super excited about, I got this vision of this person down on, you know, down at, you know, I don't know how many of you guys have ever done something like a treasure hunt where you get together as a group and you pray and and each person kind of brings a different thing that they saw and that they felt. And so one person sees a location, another person sees, you know, a blue sweatshirt and another person saw a bike. And so we go down to, you know, the, the, the school down the street and we happen to see a guy riding a bike in a blue sweatshirt and we're like, yes. You know, it's coming true, but that's only a piece of the puzzle. When we get there, we still got to go slow, even though we're talking to them and say, now, Holy Spirit, show me why did you bring this person to us? Why would you go through all the time in the effort to show me the school, the bike in the blue sweatshirt? How, how do you want me to say it? Man, what pains have been brought there where if I come across a little too much this way, it shuts them down. If I come across a little too much this way, it closes them down. 
God, how can I be your hands and feet? But as charismatics, many times we get so excited with the fact that we got the vision that we run out and we just do it. We get in the way of the full measure of what God wanted to do in that situation. We gotta wait. What does Holy Spirit want you and I to do? When and how? And looking at that. In the book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, Peter Scazzaro has this quote. It says, discretion is the patience of waiting with prayerful expectation. So discretion is the patience of waiting with prayerful expectation to see what unfolds. It has the humility and patience to discern when we leave things alone, knowing when our interference will only complicate things. I think you and I can get better at discretion and get better at waiting for Holy Spirit, at waiting for the power of Holy Spirit to come upon us in the same way that the disciples were asked to wait. You know, David, when wanting to return the ark, a lot of you guys are going to know the story. So the, the, the presence of God was in this ark for years, and, in, and it's, it's, it's somewhere else, and he's saying, I, wa- I want it closer. I want it here. And he goes and he gets it. Things don't quite go right, and the ark starts to kind of fall, and someone reaches out, and there's death that comes, and all, all these things. You know, I think that he had the what to get the ark and to bring it back. He potentially had the win, that it was the right time. But you know what he didn't do is he didn't stop and say how. Once he slowed down and stopped and paused and said, okay, we got to regroup. We got to figure out how we're going to do this. That just because it happened to be the ark and saying, it's a good thing. I want to bring the ark. I want to bring the presence back. That's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But God has timing. And God has ways in which he wants us to do these things. You know, the, they also walked in humility, which comes with patience. This is in uh, Acts chapter 3. So a little bit farther down here. It says one day, and I don't have this one up on the screen. uh, One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. What you and I have isn't us. What we have is the presence of God. What we have is the power that we receive from God. We got to remember that. And that's where that patience comes in. Many times we do the right thing and we call someone up that's discouraged and we want to meet with them. And we want to talk to them. Have any of you ever been discouraged yourself going through something and you sat down to talk with someone and you maybe had about a two paragraph thing that you wanted to explain what's going on in your life. You got about two and a half sentences sentences into 
describing what's going on in your life and the person was already giving you advice? That person meant well. That person loved you. That person cared about you. That person so badly wanted to remove the pain of what you feel. Wanted you to know that they care about you. Wanted you to know that God cares about you. But one of the things lacking was the patience to wait on Holy Spirit. What are you saying in this situation? We got to be a people that slow down and wait so that we don't walk in our own power, but we walk in the power of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? When do you want me to do this? And how? I want to warn you, when we walk in this, it typically is going to seem like it's always coming late. One of the things that I felt the most pressure about was this summer, there was a deputy sheriff that was shot and killed, and I was asked to do the funeral. I knew there would be several thousand people there. The majority of our area um, government officials was going to be there. The governor was going to be there. It was a great honor to go speak. But I was set on one thing. I wasn't going to talk out of my own brain. And I didn't want to fall victim on that. Because then all they were going to get is me. I knew that the majority, or I believe the majority of them, either had no relationship with Jesus, or if they did, the majority of those that did, it was probably shallow. And they weren't radically following after him. They did not need me. They needed God. So I waited. And I waited. And I got sick and had diarrhea and I waited. I was nervous and I waited. I lost my appetite and I waited. And it wasn't until about 2.30 in the morning, the day of, I'm sleeping. And all of a sudden I wake up. God wakes me up and begins and I'm just like, Lord, I hope this is you. And I hope you have something for me. And he just began to give me things. Now I'm not saying it was perfect. What, but what I will say is I know what God gave me was what I needed to share. And what I can honestly stand in front of you and say is I didn't put any words into what I shared. Because I was resolute on one thing. They didn't need me. They need God. And so I can't just walk in my own strength or my own power. We got to wait. We got to use discretion. We got to use wisdom. It gives time for us to move our opinions and our beliefs and, and our paradigms aside and to see the other human being, to see the other person. And then to allow ourselves to see them the way that God sees them. Because they don't need us, they need Him. We need Him. So let's be a people to do that. Will you stand to your feet? We're going to sing a song. And, um, you know, we said that we still believe in the power of Holy Spirit. We still believe that what's in the Bible is true. That God so loved the whole world. That God so loved you. That he gave, he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, 
to pay the penalty for your selfishness, for my selfishness. Not just so we can wrap ourselves in a warm, fuzzy coat, sit by the fire with hot chocolate and feel comfortable, but because he does call us to repentance. He calls us to turn away from one way of living and say, I wanna, I wanna submit, I wanna come under the, your mission. I wanna come under who you say I am and I wanna walk in that. But we also believe that we're to wait for the power of Holy Spirit. And I know in this room, there's some of you who've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and there's others who haven't. And a lot of times there can be confusion of, you know, why does it happen to some and I've been wanting it? I don't get it. I was 11 years old going to a college group. I was really mature for my age. I was there, I was invited to go to this college group, would go to it every week. Then we would go witnessing afterwards and one after one of the, the groups in this, this home, they prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I said, yeah, why not? I mean, all the cool people were doing it, so let's do it. And it came upon me. I have friends and family that didn't want it and kind of resisted it and then it still came upon them. I have others who have prayed for it over and over and over and over and it hasn't come. I can't answer all those. But what I can say is this, it's not about striving after the gift, it's striving after the giver. Our job isn't to get the gift, our job is to go after the giver and to make ourselves available. I remember growing up, people used to, during the renewal, they would pray and everyone's getting slain in the spirit. And I would be, Lord, you know, if you want me to fall, I'll fall. I've never fallen. Don't know why. And I want to, but you know what? I don't want to strive after falling. I don't want to strive after laughing. I don't want to strive after grunting. I want to strive after the presence of God. And I don't care how he wants to come and put his presence upon me. I just want the presence of God. And it doesn't always have to come in a sign. I just want the presence of God. So right where you're at, as we go into this song, we're not going to have a team up here to pray for you. You know, when, the, when they, the, the early church received the power of the Spirit, there wasn't a prayer team walking through that upper room. They were in the upper room. The only thing they were doing was praying. They were seeking the face of God. They were seeking the giver, not the gift. They didn't know what it was. They weren't given a book and said, this is what Holy Spirit will do when Holy Spirit comes upon you and this is what it's gonna look like and you're gonna, you're gonna speak in other languages and people are gonna be amazed. No, they were just told to wait for the gift to come, for the power to come upon them. So they prayed. They were, they were chasing after the giver. So where you're at, whether you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues or not, whether this is your first time walking into church, I wanna tell you that Jesus loves you. I wanna tell you that you can repent, turn away from your own way of thinking and come under his lordship. Say, I wanna make you the king of my life. I want you to rule. I wanna follow you. But that every single one of us would pursue Holy Spirit today and say, I wanna become a better disciple of following you, Holy Spirit. I wanna to learn to wait. I wanna learn discretion. I wanna learn patience. Open up my belief that miracles can still take place. Cause me to shut my mouth when I wanna give someone advice. So let's just take the next couple minutes and in your own way, you build your own altar 
and say, come Holy Spirit into my life. I'm pursuing you right now. Fall on this place.